I am Ellie Herringshaw, and I am so excited for who I'm talking with today. I am talking with my dear friend, Lizzie Lindbergh, and she is here to share her story. And when I, when I first... When I first started the podcast, I knew that I wanted to have her on, Um, but when I first discovered my ex-husband's affair, I thought of her in a very interesting way because our stories are very different, but there's also a lot of similarities. And and so we've had kind of this cool connection where um, we don't live very close together. We're, we're not like hanging out all the time, but, um, but we have this sort of common denominator of this pain of um, losing a husband. And um, so I'm going to have Lizzie share your story. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Ellie. Thanks for having me. I'm just so honored to be part of um, this podcast and everything you're doing with Reclaimed. I really love this concept and I identify with it. So my story, um, well, I met my husband at Northwestern College where Ellie and I both attended. Woot, woot. Go Eagles. <laughs> Eagles always fly home, right? Um, so I met my husband there and I was one of those um, annoying freshmen who met a guy and we started dating in like two weeks or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Ring by Spring was... I mean, it was like, what, sophomore year or something. We were like basically engaged. And then the ring was junior year. So we got married um, shortly thereafter. We had our first child. um, And not too long after he was born, we actually moved to Wisconsin because he was a youth pastor there. Mm -hmm. And um, I I had thought when we met that it was just kind of a hobby, just kind of like a it'll pass or whatever. But um, Eric was his name. Eric was very – he loved people. And he loved Jesus, and he loved sharing Jesus with people. Mm. And so he did. He was a very good youth pastor, um, and he loved our first child, Bingham, well. And then we had a second child, William, who I call Billy now, but he wanted to call Liam because he didn't like the full name hmm. William, which is silly. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so I call him Billy. Um, but anyway, um, Eric had kind of a heart condition um, that meant that his heart only really functioned um in one chamber Hmm. and um for example if he was upside down um which I don't know why he would be upside down he's just just doing handstands yeah Yeah. basically (laughs) I mean you know but um his heart would basically stop working because it ran on gravity in just that one chamber too so um he had what was called the Fontan procedure when he was three um but when he had that there was no indication the doctors were like "You're, you're gonna live a full life everything's good and Mm -hmm. so when I married him there was kind of this like wait are you okay and okay Mm -hmm. he's fine he's gonna live a long time everything's fine and yeah I remember saying to my mom you know even if everything isn't fine I'm still gonna marry him because I love him and he loves me and I want to be with him for the rest of my life forever you know that that word we use kind of lightly forever probably about September 2015 we found out that there was just some blockage that had been happening in his heart um, where the blood wasn't flowing through well um, and so they needed to remove that that um, mm-hmm. pressure but in order to remove that pressure they had to do like a ton of tests 
And so they went through and, and did a lot of those tests. But then the last test that they were going to do before the open heart surgery to remove the pressure was called um, a catheterization, where they would just take pictures and just mm-hmm. specifically decide where the pressure was. And I remember we went in for that procedure on February um, 11, 2016. And um, the doctor came to me when he was in the procedure and was like, this is actually not an emergency. Like, he could live multiple years before we even go in and take out this Mm. um, stuff. So it's really just a matter of, is this a good time or is it a better time to do it later and whatever. So, um, it was, it was kind of, and I wrote in my journal then just thinking about like the life, where we were at in our life and how healthy he really was and that this would be probably a really good time for surgery and, um, even wrote things like, you know what, I'm pretty fresh out of my degree. I can make, things make ends meet with my children and they're so young they won't really remember anything if anything happens and um just wrote these things kind of thinking you know what just we're just writing down the worst case scenario take away the fear of it Hmm. you know keep moving forward Eric woke up and seemed fine um but had a little bit of pain and so he had the procedure he did have the yeah he had the cardiac catheterization procedure he didn't have his open heart surgery Okay. okay yeah but he had the catheterization um everything seemed fine outwardly and so they let him go um, and I thought he was fine. I thought he was maybe being a little bit dramatic because I'd had two C-sections with my children, and here he is complaining about a catheterization. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> You're fine. You're so fine. Um, but when we got home, it was obvious that he – it wasn't okay. He wasn't okay. Um, and so we took him to um, the emergency room. He was basically unconscious for most of that mm. time because he just – his body couldn't handle it. When we got to the emergency room, they confirmed that he had pretty severe internal bleeding. Mm. I guess the, and now in hindsight, looking back, the closure device that was used to stop the bleeding after the catheterization had actually failed, mm. and which is a, just like a freak thing. Like, it doesn't usually happen. Yeah. And the bleeding usually comes externally, but it had bled internally. And instead of it just bleeding um, in a way that the heart could reroute it, his heart was so weak. Um, that the blood got into his kidneys and messed everything up and um, so it was a crazy journey Um, two days after that he had been then med flighted to Madison which is like an hour away from where we were and two days later because of all the internal bleeding was declared brain dead Um, and so it it wasn't split second instant but within the matter of a couple days February 10th was the last time I really had a solid conversation with him and then um february 15th uh, or 14th february 14th is the day that i decided you know we're yeah we're going so i walked out of the hospital room and just before i got to that door i remember thinking when i open this door i'm a widow and what does that look like at 25 to be a widow like you're not supposed to be a widow until you're like in your 80s yeah and um you know some some people are young widows at 60 yeah I'm 25 what do I do and I I remember then just going ahead and walking out that door and um listening to some music music is really healing for me oh me too girl (laughs) (laughs) but I just remember listening to for king and country's um shoulders song and where does my help come from my help doesn't come from anything on earth my help comes from the lord and was reminded then of um of isaiah 41 10 which is kind of a life verse for me 
um, which says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So that's Isaiah 41.10. And um, really throughout this whole thing, um, he was there. And I felt his presence probably more strongly in that hospital room than mm-hmm. I had ever felt him before in my yeah. life. Um, but that kind of began a new journey um, for me because really, I mean, meeting Eric at college and then we have children and then he gets his career job and I was a stay-at-home mom for a while mm-hmm. and I just felt like this is perfect. This is what perfection looks like. Yeah. And there are some things that I want to do with my life. I probably want to, you know, like write a book or, you know, run – marathons or do more things <laughs> yeah. in my life but probably this is it this is perfect mm-hmm. and Eric was so good at loving me mm-hmm. and I loved him so much and I felt like I'm meant to be a wife I'm meant to be a pastor's wife like this is the thing yeah. this is where God wants me yep and then to find myself okay I don't have a husband now I'm a single mom which I don't ha- I didn't have friends that were single moms at that point I had no yeah idea what what this was and um it was kind of like but god i thought i had i thought i had to figure it out i thought yeah. you had me where you wanted me right i was there i was faithful now what so at this point you your husband died mm-hmm. you're living in wisconsin you're living far from right your family right. you're from you're from minnesota mm-hmm. um this is this was then the beginning of your grief journey right um can you talk about that a little bit what was yeah. what was grieving like for you what or i should say what is grieving like right. for you <laughs> cuz it's a it's a it's been waves two, two years and mm-hmm. a couple two and months and a half. okay two and a, almost two and a half it's like i put it together today is the 13th and i really think um, when he was actually declared brain dead was february 13th 2016 okay. so today would be two years and five months yeah. Um, so the I still th- do that The thirteenth is a day for me too. Is it? That was the day, the day that I found out about my ex-husband's affair was October thirteenth. Oh yeah. And so it's funny how like sometimes a number I'll just it, it mm-hmm. kind of like triggers you in a way of like wow okay yeah. I've made it this far. Except that's how I feel. That's how I identify it with it now. Like okay, so I've made it to another. 13th. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like you still do the math. Yeah. But the math changes. It's not like, oh, it's been this long since, you know, I've been living the worst life. It's, yeah. Since, since, you know, it's been this long since. I've survived. I've survived. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So definitely that is part of my grief journey, how things have changed mm-hmm. um, from one marker to the next marker. And at first, too, the markers were everything because. Oh, my gosh. I gave. Yeah. You, I mean, you give everything to your husband. Yeah. Like, that's kind of when you say your vows and, you know, tell death to his part, it really means yeah. I'm giving you absolutely everything that I have. Totally. Um, and that's another, you know, connection that we have. Yeah. Is we both were in happy marriages, you know, yeah. for the most part. Marriage is hard. But, yeah. you know, very much like, this is it. This is You, you set it out. Like, I, I love mm-hmm. what you said about. Like, God, this is the path that you have me on. Like, mm-hmm. you were a wife. You're a pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. You have your kids. You had your your life and your family. And this trajectory of your life was set out. Mm-hmm. So God set that out. Like, that, all of that was lined up. And then that's when the tragedy hits and everything goes. Everything just explodes in your face. It's mm-hmm. like, 
God, I thought that you had this planned and now it's not there. And that's where the, that's where the grief Mm -hmm. really happens. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's like, it's a grief of, I miss Eric and he was funny and he Mm -hmm. was so good with our kids. I mean, in some ways he was more excited when they were when I was pregnant than I was. Really? Because he was so, he wanted to, like, the, the things yeah. he wanted in life were to have children, to get married, to have children, and mm. to be a youth pastor. So he accomplished his life school. That is awesome. Um, yeah, which is How so sweet. Beautiful. And really the way he accomplished those things was he wasn't like, oh, I can't do anything else. I need to do this. And, like, you know, mechanical about it. He just had so much passion. It was yeah. like, you know what? We're going this way, and when we get there is when we get there. And... Um, you know, he, he pursued it, but he didn't pursue yeah. it in like a step on people kind of way or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, and then once he got there, there was this contentment that he always seemed to have of just like, yeah, I'm set. I've got mm-hmm. it all. And if I'm honest, I never really understood that because mm-hmm. it was like, how can you be happy with just this? Hmm. How can you like, you know, don't you have bigger dreams or don't you have bigger something? And he's like, no, God, I'm exactly where God wants me wow. right now. And whatever he decides next is what he decides and we'll just roll with that and he had mm-hmm. such a simple faith and it was like I want that yeah. but the more that I'm in my story I'm realizing that the story isn't about me and Eric though that was beautiful yeah and the story isn't about how God was there in the hospital though that was beautiful yeah and um the story isn't about how when I had absolutely nothing left God strengthened me though that was beautiful and huge in my life and important the story is more about how God has won me to himself and in my relationship with him Hmm. it's not a he's the side piece that I kind of believe in while I go about my life it's like he is my life and um he's romantic and he he'll draw things out in me he makes me laugh and um there are just different times where I start to doubt if I'm a good enough mother or whatever, which mm. a husband would be, you know, on Mother's Day, for example, just be yeah. excellent saying, you're a great mother. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And different people in my life have helped me with that. Mm-hmm. Mom, friends, my mm-hmm. own parents. I'm so proud of you. Like you're doing, you know, whatever. But then there's that still small voice from the Lord saying, you're doing well. You're doing what I called you to do. Yeah. Your children love you. Look how much you love them. Yeah. And nobody else can give me that reassurance like he can mm-hmm. and um i think that's the story is how he is working in me and winning me to himself and showing me that depth of relationship which i believe is is more my purpose than what i will accomplish totally um and so i think that the book if i write a book it's yeah. more about that about yeah. how that relationship works and not in spite of the hardships though there are you know plenty of them they're not in spite of the things that I didn't see coming because there are plenty of those um but you know life life is hard but he is so good and it's like he is so good and it doesn't have to have a disclaimer yeah he's He's so good in spite of all the things like yeah no he is just good he's just good he's just good period I remember one of our first conversations that we had Ellie when you were talking about what was going on with you and I had no idea and then you're you brought it up and we're kind of talking we're at a photo shoot with my Mm -hmm. family and um you were taking a picture of my mother's ring and of a bracelet that Eric had given me Mm -hmm. that had huge significance and this is after Eric had died 
and you just looked at me and we're just talking and you said you know what god is bigger and mm-hmm. i just will always remember that mm-hmm. um because god is so much bigger yeah and um you know when you say a statement like that it's like god is bigger than what but it, like it doesn't matter than what god is bigger god is so big so true and also he loves us so much and yeah. so um there's so much rest in that there's yeah. so much it doesn't really matter where i go or what i do because um you know god is going to love me through it yeah. no matter what and um he also is the healer and mm-hmm. that is what he's doing when he's healing um and without him there i feel like there's no healing for me um when i'm trying to do it on my own when i'm trying to be mm-hmm. you know single mom and get all the things done or when i'm trying to write about you know what i think is my story and i'm not paying attention to what i'm hearing from him and, and whatever it's like it's almost counteractive it's like yeah it, it hurts more like it gets yeah, me totally. all like um like you think when you need to go to the chiropractor it's because you're really tense mm-hmm. i feel like my spirit gets tense when i'm doing it on my own yeah but when i'm listening to him and mm-hmm. hearing his voice of reassurance and um, sometimes correction yeah um but usually it's kind of like this gentle oh sweetie i love you yeah let's go this direction instead yep um, it's like hey you're doing a good job but like we can do a better job together yeah like exactly. partner with me in it yeah that's what i that's what i love about oh man i just love that about the lord that he he doesn't he he invites us to partner with him like he says let's do this together let's let's go on this journey together he's not like dictating how to handle it or like how to interpret your story because you could absolutely be sitting there and feeling sorry for yourself and whatever and um but he but he is inviting us to a partnership to to a journey of this life and I, man I just think that's so, so amazing but kind of just going off of what you had said I remember um when when Eric had died or when when he was in the hospital there was this Facebook group that went out to a lot of our um like Northwestern friends and um just a lot of people rallying and it was like praying for Eric like think that's what it was called or something like that um and and so we were all just on there get you know getting some updates and um and I remember exactly where I was when um when I found out that um that he had died and I was at church and um and I was just devastated knowing it was Valentine's Day it was um it it struck me so hard but the um your post when you announced it was one of the most beautiful things that I had read that I mean I don't want to put words in your mouth but I think that I think it really kind of I could say it, it sort of set the course for where you are now where you had you said you know Eric has died, um, <laughs> and it, it's terrible, and we're devastated, but God, you basically said, but God is bigger. Mm-hmm. You basically said, yeah. like, he, he is in this, mm-hmm. and he will be, he will be in, a, in this, and he's going to help me get through it. Um, at least that's the way I, do yeah. I have that, any, do I have that right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, and, and I see that that, like, just that, that, that pointedness of like this is where we're going after this mm-hmm. this tragedy that's where you are now 
Like, you're still on that course of, Mm -hmm. like, I'm still in the direction of believing that God is bigger. Absolutely. I feel like that post, the interesting thing about that post is that I hardly remember writing it. I remember just kind Mm. of saying, you know what, like, I, I was in a hotel bed just kind of thinking, you know, you wake up and you're like, wait, my life has changed. Yeah. What what do I where do I go from this? And I remember just kind of saying, Hey, um, Lord, I, I can't move, I can't talk, I can't I don't know where to go from here and so you're gonna have to help yeah. me step out of this bed, like as a widow or you know, um it's gotta be you. And so I remember just um there were different different songs that came on, um, my shuffle Spotify and that kinda helped me a little bit, but um just typed it out and was like, you know what, there are a lot of people that are really hurting because Eric loved a lot of people and a lot of people loved him, Mm -hmm. Um, his family and his friends and obviously me and and my family and my friends who are all, you know, also his family and friends. And it was kind of this, people are going to be looking to me a little bit and how to deal with losing Eric. Yeah. And they don't need me, they need Jesus. Um, And that's what Eric would have said. Um, they need Jesus. They need need to know that there's hope and that there's joy. And Eric is fully in that. And that's one of the things I said in that post. Mm. Eric is fully um, glorified with Christ right now. And he's happy and he's fine. And that's something I told to my children too. I remember after, so I made that post and, and we went home and I faced that apartment. Probably the hardest thing though was to sit my kids down and Billy was only nine months old. Bingham was, um, you know, about two and a half. But, um, you know, kids understand a lot more than we give them credit for. And so Billy, just nine months old, not walking, of course, or even crawling, was just missing the other person who took care of him, who he bonded with, you know, significantly, obviously. Um, And Bingham was old enough to start asking questions. Mm -hmm. Um, Where's Daddy? When's Daddy coming home? Um, and maybe not in so many words. Um, um, so I sat the boys down and um, I said, your daddy's not coming home because his heart was sick. Mm-hmm. And so he died. His body broke. Yeah. And Jesus wanted to fix his body. But the way that Jesus fixed his body was taking him to heaven so he could have a new body. So he lives with that new body with Jesus in heaven. But he can't come down to us because that new body has to stay in heaven. Mm-hmm. So he's up there, and we can talk to Jesus about it. But Daddy's not going to be with us here anymore. And I think, you know, William went crying or, or whatever. He didn't really understand. Yeah. Bingham's response was, um, "Okay, when snack? What, what's for snack? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like." And I'm just like an emotional wreck. I've just said yeah. this terrible thing that I know is life-shattering to them, even though they don't know it yet. Yeah. Um, that was life-shattering to me. And my mom is, was sitting next to us on the bed, and she just rubbed my shoulder. Like, you know, it's, it's good. You, yeah. you did good. You were honest. Um, and um, so once I had done that, though, that kind of began, okay, this is real. Like, Mm -hmm. until I told my children, it was like, this is just a nightmare that I'm living through, but it'll be over. And once I told my kids, it was like, no, we're going to walk through this now. Mm -hmm. This is, this is our kind of trajectory. Yeah. Um, so then we did. And I, you know, got through the, the next couple of weeks by writing a whole lot, Mm -hmm. started already thinking about, okay, what does life look like in the future? And, um, 
you know, their immediate ideas of fear, like, mm-hmm. oh, now I can't do anything because this is who I am and I'm not that anymore. So, yeah. but then also you learn, I think, um, if, you're, if your goal is to be healthy, if your goal is to um, have that hope and have that joy eventually, to focus on that hope and joy rather than focusing on the sadness. Though there was some of that. I mean, you have to sit in sadness mm-hmm. for a little bit to fully acknowledge what happened, and then you can move forward. Yeah, for sure. So there's there's like this balance. There's a dance, mm-hmm. you know, going between the sadness and going be- going to the hope and the joy. Yeah. Um, I found for me definitely right away in practical ways, but also, you know, just in my mind, it was helpful for me to do kind of like a, I don't know, like a 40-60 Mm-hmm. Like forty percent sadness, sixty percent we're looking at hope in the oh, future. Oh, that's good. That's good. Forty percent this sucks. Sixty um, percent who can I help or mm. how can I, you know, do something positive? Um, and I really resonate with the idea of reclaiming because mm-hmm. I feel like I had to reclaim a lot, and it was a lot of places, yeah. but it was also a lot of songs, which you know yeah. you said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our first dance song or just songs that we enjoyed together. Different. He liked to change the lyrics in country songs. Yes. <laughs> to match his, you know, That's feelings awesome. or whatever. Yeah, and so it took a while, but one by one, okay, I can't really do anything more today. My grief is overwhelming, so I'm just going to listen to a song and feel the sadness yep. and then remember the happy things and then, you know, move forward. And that song doesn't hold any power other than yep. maybe bringing me a smile yeah. at this point. Yeah, wow. Um, because, you know, there aren't a lot of negative memories with things. Yeah. And yeah. I was really blessed in that I don't have a lot of regrets. Yeah. Um, when Eric died, we were probably the happiest we'd ever been in our marriage. Yeah. So I really don't have a lot of regrets in that. But there are still some regrets. You know, did I do this right? Did I, mm. did I hold his hand enough? Did mm. I tell him that I loved him enough? Did I encourage him or respect him enough? Things like that. And you have to come to a point where that's almost like a 1090. Like you, you acknowledge that and then the 90% is it, like, but who am I now? Yeah, like, totally. He's fully happy. He has no like grudges against what I may have done wrong or yeah. whatever. How is rec- what 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 is reclaiming looking like for you to memor to commemorate to to um to keep um, memories alive moving forward particularly for your kids. So okay, um, I feel like there are several ways that I could answer this question, but one of the big things is first when Eric died, we were a family of four that was missing one person. And that hole was kind of devastating. And it yeah. meant that um, it was hard for me to go to family outings in the community. I mean, we lived when we were in Wisconsin, we lived in a small community. And so everybody knew everybody. Yeah. It felt like that, at least. And yeah. so I'd look around and see the dads with their kids. And um, I, my first impression was I harbored kind of disdain for them. Mm-hmm. Those families still have their dad, and my kids don't. And yeah. Um, that was hard. Or I saw a man and a woman, um, you know, holding hands. And it was like, well, I don't have that. So now I, like, kind of resent them. And um, I knew I didn't want to have that. I didn't really know how to move forward. Well, we m- then moved to Austin, Minnesota, which is actually where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's a small town. And it's the same kind of thing. I didn't know these people. But, you know, they're still the moms and the dads and the kids. 
Um, and again, my family had felt perfect. We were mom and a dad and two children. And that's kind of the American standard. Yeah. Um, right now, at least. And so I had felt like it was perfect. But now we were flawed. Now it was mm-hmm. a broken family of four. And um, it was hard to look at my children because they looked so much like him. And so sometimes mm-hmm. that would be comforting. But most of the time it was like, these kids look like my pain. And so when I look at them, I don't see a loving person. Hmm. I see, you know, this uh, this loss, a huge loss that meant that I was broken, that meant that my identity was changed. Yeah. And not just changed at that point, it was my identity's crushed is hmm. what it felt like. Yeah. I mean, not how I move forward, and that's part of the 40, 60. I mean, you, yeah. you keep going back and forth, but... Um, it was really hard for me to spend time with them alone um, because I would get so sad and so caught up sometimes that it took so much mental effort to get back to that, like the 60, back to the hope, back to the joy, mm-hmm. that I asked other people to come in with us or I did purposefully go out in public so my children would get attention and so that I wouldn't zone out. Yeah. Because if it was just us in the house, I was afraid that they would do whatever they're in and they're just they're just babies basically yeah (laughs) and so they need supervision and I wasn't confident at least at first that I could give that to them because it was so much it was so painful you were were grieving so much because I was grieving so much um and I'm very thankful because when we did move to Austin my parents were there good we moved back into their house which is really great now it's kind of a multi-general generational multi-generational household and so I, I'll, like, I'll do some of the cooking and yeah. I buy some of the groceries, pay to, for different things. Um, but it was really helpful, especially at first, because if I, for whatever reason, couldn't get up that yeah. day or I couldn't um, just be alone with them, my yeah. mom or my dad would step in and say, hey, tap that's, out. That's I, amazing. I've got it. That's amazing. Um, and I do feel like that is not only just a huge blessing, but many single moms don't have that kind of yeah. support. And so I just have a lot more compassion now than I did that's you know one of the hope things one of the yeah. joy things I'm so excited about the friends that I have that yeah. I didn't understand or didn't just didn't know before right, right. that now I, I do and I can help because I have so much support yeah yeah um but so that transition of we're a broken family of four um you know we're, we're three people but there's like this huge looming hole eventually slowly um with obviously a lot of strength from God, a lot of support from my community and from my family. I mean, when I say community, I really mean all over. Yeah. I mean, there's people in Austin. There's people still back in uh, Wisconsin and Beloit. Um, I'm still very close with Eric's family. And, um, and yeah, so with God's support and um, support of my community um, and also my children, because you have to move forward. There's not an option of, like, I don't have children anymore. Like, I have to go forward. Yeah. Um, we kind of we became a family of three and it wasn't this broken family of four it was a whole family of three Mm. and it's mama and it's bingham and it's william and or billy you know he he goes by both it's funny yeah but um there's pj masks is a tv show that kids like to watch Mm -hmm. and there's um gecko um and there's catboy and there's owlette and we are bingham is catboy and william is gecko and I am Owlette. And we're, we're like the three superheroes. Like, I love that. We fight crime together. We're, you know, the three of us. Um, and so it became that way in a lot of ways. One of them was our bedtime routine. 
Um, whereas before, we really didn't need one. Eric and I would kind of tag team, and mm-hmm. we'd do whatever needed to happen to make bedtime happen, and kids go to bed. Oh, my goodness, we need time. Um, but then when it was just me, I needed a routine. Yeah. I needed something to be consistent every night, and I think they needed that too. A nine-month-old and two-and-a-half-year-old, they really needed me to set some limits mm-hmm. and set some boundaries, but also be excited to mm-hmm. sing to them and read to them. So we started, we got their jammas on, and then – um, we would read a couple of books, usually a Bible story and one other book that they picked, or two if I was yeah. feeling especially generous. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, at night you're like, I'm tired, I'm done. Um, but yeah, so we'd read books together and we'd snuggle. And then after that we would sing songs. And right away we started singing a song that w- I adapted um, called Tura Lura. It's originally by Bing Crosby. Aww, um, I love it. And Eric used to sing that to the boys. Um, to re lura lura to re lura lie and then it goes on I changed it to be well the song is originally about this you know Bing Crosby is singing about his I think his mother or the story is about singing she's gone and mm. I miss her a lot and I would give anything to hear her again yeah. um, and so it was a really easy transition for me to say this is a song your daddy used to sing to you and I'd give anything if I could hear him sing it to me too mm. and I sing that to the boys every night. To this point, there are nights, even still, where I can't sing it because it's too emotional for me. Yeah. But they know it, and they can sing it loudly, and they do. And That is um, beautiful. It's so sweet, and I've recorded it for myself, too, because it's just fun. But um, that bedtime routine that we do every night, and I try to protect that time, has helped us to become three because yes. Eric wasn't necessarily part of that, though he was and in the yeah. song. Um, and we remember him and how much he loved us. And um, But you're creating but this new family almost. Mm-hmm. Like we, we were talking before, um, before we started recording about being a new creation. And mm-hmm. what does that actually mean? It doesn't just mean that God is repairing us, but it means he's making us new. Right. And, and I, what I'm hearing you say is that he's actually creating this new family mm-hmm. where it's not like, oh, we miss our dad. We're, miss- we're missing this piece. But he mm-hmm. is creating something new out of this brokenness. Absolutely. That is, I mean, that's a beautiful concept. You can still remember. It doesn't mean that you, that you can't remember him. Mm-hmm. But you guys are complete. Yeah. And you are becoming complete. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. Bling, it, Bling is saying hi right now. You obviously had no idea that this was going to happen. There are people who are so, you know, we're in this world we are caught off, caught off guard by grief. Mm-hmm. So if you could give some advice mm-hmm. to even yourself um, in that place of shock, what would you, what would you say to yourself? I think I would say um, just simply it's okay to be in the moment. Um, you don't, there is that, I want to be hopeful and I want to have joy. Um, but there's also a lot of pain and a lot of sadness. And I think God definitely uses that pain and sadness in a way that sometimes we can look back and say, wow, I'm really thankful that happened. But sometimes in order to get to that point, we have to be sad. We have to get vulnerable. We have to like, um, you know, be in that place where it feels really behind. It feels like I'm not functioning well. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, some days it's been hard for me to get out of bed. And that is, you know, right away, that first week, the first 
two weeks, the first months, the first year. But I'm two and a half years out. And yeah. I just had another one of those days, I don't know if it was a week, a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. where I, I am blessed to be a communications director at a church, mm-hmm. and they get it. And so I call in and say, hey, today's I'm just going to come in really late or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and so there's a lot of grace, and you have to give yourself that grace mm-hmm. to not be where you hope to be or where you expect that you should be. Um, but to you, be where you are. Yeah, to be where you are, <laughs> to be in the moment. <laughs> to be where you are sometimes. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that, I, I talk a lot about stepping into the pain, mm-hmm. knowing that it's there, knowing yeah. that the grief is there, and not avoiding it. And and to me, mm-hmm. that's that's what has been the, the, the concept of reclaiming is stepping into that pain to know, to know that a place and a thing holds pain. Mm-hmm. So not not to avoid it, not to avoid that pain, but actually just go into it and say, I'm going to confront this because it needs to be dealt with. So let's deal with it. Mm-hmm. And um, and a lot of times that even means like not getting out of bed. Mm-hmm. Like if my, there are days where my depression is still like really, really hard to get over. And so I need to sit there. And that's mm-hmm. also exposing, exposing yeah. the pain to say, God, it's here still. And that's okay, but I know that you can heal, and you will, and you are healing. So it's like all these, all these little, um, all these little moments of healing, rather than just like one quick, one and done mm-hmm. healing. But it's like absolutely daily healings. Mm-hmm. And you have to be open to that too. I think there are people that I've encountered who have been through grief, um, who will just say you know, I can't move forward because this is my identity, is a griever. Yeah. Um, and wow. I have felt that way for sure. But I have to um, switch it up a little bit to say I am grieving, not I am a griever. Totally. So, like, grieving doesn't determine who I am. It's a, it's a something that I'm working through, that the Lord is working through, and that he's healing. And hmm. I don't ever think that I will be fully done grieving um, because I think – you know, in a lot of ways, I will always still love Eric. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I won't love many other people and many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my community, I've mentioned, I just love my mom friends specifically, and mm-hmm. I get to lead a mops group. Oh, awesome. This, yeah, this fall, and I'm really excited about that, connecting moms to each other. And there's something unique that happens when moms connect. Yeah. To, well, when women connect to each other, mm-hmm. um, I can say. But also, when moms connect to each other, there is a special way that Jesus can get totally in their lives and get involved and we can have such a deep connection and I'm so excited to be able to help other moms get connected Hmm. and some of those moms have been through terrible grief Um, a lot of my mom friends have lost babies um, which again like there's similarities and there's differences but there's that loss and um, some I think there are a lot of people who um well, you didn't know this person, and so you shouldn't be grieving as long. And I don't think anybody would actually come out and say that. I hope not. You mean in terms of, like, a miscarriage? In terms of a miscarriage. Yeah. Um, but I think um, that, that that sometimes we put that pressure on ourselves, yeah. too, of yeah. quantifying the relationship that we had and saying, okay, then that deserves only this much grief. Right. Or um, Or – you'll have, you know, you, you'll have another opportunity. Yeah. And, um, I mean, my, my mom, my mom had, I don't think she'd have 
a problem with me saying this, but she, she had a couple miscarriages and one right before me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she would never say, um, well, be, you know, because Ellie was born, I didn't care about the one that I lost. Right. You know, there's always, like there's the loss and it's mm-hmm. sad and it's hard. Um, but then there is hope on the other side too, but mm-hmm. um, not always. For, for some yeah. for some women dealing with um, with in, infertility, right, right, and I think I wrote a I wrote a blog post about how um, there are no rules with grief, and I fully believe that. I think there are things that have worked well for me, which is yeah. um, definitely going back into the place. Um, like I went back to Northwestern before homecoming, and just walked around the grounds, just listening to. I have a playlist called Loss. And it's it's the, it's the songs that I have a playlist called "When Things Are Hard." Oh, there you go. There you go. It's, we should share it. Yeah, we, we should. should share it. We yeah. should. My playlist is I think like 165. That is songs amazing. Or something. I love it. And it, some of the songs in there, like you wouldn't know why they're in there, yeah. but it for me, it like I heard that song at a time yeah. when I was, you know, really struggling or when I get really frustrated that I'm still still I'm saying yeah. this with quotation mark fingers. Yeah still grieving yeah I'm so frustrated with myself like why can't I just move on yeah. and um I think that's just because there are no rules in grief because every person is unique and every relationship with everything that's lost is unique yeah um, you can have a significant loss relationship with um with a computer that held a lot of really special things yeah. and it suddenly crashed or it's gone for whatever reason um, and I've had that happen. Yeah. Um, it's just devastating when you lose so those photos or the, the document yeah. that you've been working so hard on. Well, and then there are regrets. Like, man, I really wish I would have backed that up. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and so definitely back up your computers is yeah. the moral of that. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's a loss process with that. There's a loss process with a person. Um, and my grief process looks different losing my husband than somebody yeah. else losing their husband. That's Yeah, and that's just the, real- that's the reality of mm-hmm. it. And But... In that, God is by 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 surrendering that time by saying, mm-hmm. "God, you are, I I am surrendering my life to you in this grieving time, mm-hmm. um, in the pain, in the in the hurt, and in all of it." Then, that's where the healing happens. That's where mm-hmm. that's where the trajectory of healing, of mm-hmm. um, of moving forward to something and to your future. Yeah. That's I think that that is the that's the that's the takeaway that I'm <laughs> that I'm always trying to learn mm-hmm. is like I'm God I today I'm surrendering like to, mm-hmm. today it doesn't matter what I'm facing or like if I'm sad or if I'm lonely today I am surrendering to you mm-hmm. and um, that's what we have to do in our grief absolutely absolutely and the God helps with the timing I mean mm-hmm. he's he's you know perfect and he's wonderful and his timing is the best thing in most of us who've grown up in the church know that, mm-hmm. but you have to experience, I think, his faithfulness yeah. to know that he's faithful. Like yeah, you have to yeah. It's like my, my, my dad always says, um, and he said this on the podcast too, God doesn't have a plan B for your, mm-hmm. for your life. Mm-hmm. He has, he only creates a new plan A. And I love that because he's always working things together for our good. And um, I'm so excited for how he is using your story and how he is using your heart not even your story like your heart he is like the work he is doing in you is so beautiful and thank you so much for sharing and for being vulnerable with us um i'm so blessed by it and i really believe that 
I really hope and and I believe that um, that these listeners will be blessed by it too and someday a book like let's go we're both going to the Northwestern Christian Writer, Writers Conference tonight and tomorrow um, which is so fun yeah. and um, just playing praying for good relationships but I'm I'm so blessed by you and I'm so blessed by your story um, is there anything else you wanted to say um, I guess just um, push on if you're going through a really hard time whether it's loss of a significant person in your life or a significant thing lean into God lean into healing yeah. give yourself grace to go through it how you're going to go through it um, and, and God will show you the way and there is hope and there is joy and there is excitement there is mm-hmm. new things um, in the future um, just be faithful in what he's given you right mm. now and keep holding on and you know, look look for resources. Mm-hmm. Keep holding on. Listen to some really good sob music and cry. It's so it feels so good to cry sometimes. <laughs> so good. It's important. <laughs> like yeah. I go away sometimes just to cry. Um but then also listen to some happy music. Listen yeah. to some music that is hopeful and gets you to where you want to be, even if you don't feel it yet. Yeah. Because yeah. those are you'll remember it. Yeah. They'll come back to you. Mm-hmm. Listen read some scripture. It'll come back. Yeah. Um, God is faithful in that. So anyway, the encouragement. So, and where can people find you and your work? So right now, um, just my website is lizzyjlindberg.com. That's where I'm blogging right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of my only thing. But if I, you know, go on more podcasts or start my own podcast or if I have Ooh. a book or, you know, where, <laughs> wherever God leads, um, that's where you can find me. I'm also on Instagram, um, Lizzie J. Lindberg, and also Facebook. So and just she posts like anywhere. adorable photos of my kids are pretty cute. I'm not gonna so lie, they're so cute. They're adorable. And you do this thing on your Instagram stories where it's like, like interview time or something, <laughs> and you like ask them questions, and they're mm-hmm. like walking around. It's so cute. It's so cute. Yeah. yeah. So cool. thank you so much for being for being here. Thank and you for having me. I'll put information about your blog on um, in the show notes and um, any other resources that you um, that you have. Maybe even like your grief playlist. I think that would be really cool for people yeah. too. Um, but thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Reclaimed podcast. For more information about reclaiming, visit reclaimed.com. That's R C L A I M E D.com.